of the sky. Look. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Matt Spectro through the multiverse. Welcome back once again to another exciting episode of Matt Spectro through the multiverse. As always, I am your host, Matt Spectro, lifetime comic fan, lifetime animation fan, lifetime superhero fan. And this is the podcast, Talks Comic Book Animation. Thank you for joining us once again. Welcome to episode 62. Before we get to this week's episode and our guests, I'm going to briefly go over the rules for any new listeners. Number one. We talk comic books, we talk comic book animation. I just said that, pay attention. Rule number two, big fan of all the old team-up books, Marvel Team-Up, DC Comics Presents, Brave and the Bold. So this is a team-up podcast every week. Me and a special guest teaming up, tackling comic book animation. Rule number three, and most important, we gotta have fun. Before we get into our topic, I'm gonna bring my guest right on. He's been on a few episodes in the past. He is our the show's Green Lantern expert. Welcome back to the multiverse, Dave Walker. Woo! How lucky are you, baby? I'm back. I'm lucky or the listeners are lucky? Well, I think you're all lucky, really. There's a lot of luck to go around. I really kind of envy you, actually. <laughs> well, welcome back to the multiverse. Uh, you're uh, probably one of my top three most uh, frequent collaborators on the show, much to the chagrin of some other guests. I know. Well, you know, jealousy is an ugly emotion. So, even though uh, you're the Green Lantern expert, don't let that fool you, folks. He's, uh, he's an expert on uh, many things, wouldn't you say? I'm a multifaceted jewel, as I've always maintained. Um, you could have me on here as an expert on so many things. You've got Green Lantern. You've got our next topic. You could have me on for the Doom Patrol. You could have me on for the Justice Society of America, Dead Man, yeah. Any number of things, but uh, I'm really, really pumped. This is my number two, like right behind Green Lantern. This next topic is my number two and is super close to my heart, and I am your expert. So, we're not going to hold you in suspense any longer. This week, the multiverse, we're going green here on episode 62, and we are talking the Swamp Thing. Now, you uh, did state in your little opening monologue, Swamp Thing, I believe, is uh, maybe not always, but... Now you rank as your second favorite comic book character of all time. I would, yeah. Swamp Thing for um, a good number of years has been my number two. Um, it was The Flash. Growing up, I, my top five characters were Hal Jordan, Green Lantern, Green Arrow, The Flash, Swamp Thing, and The Spectre. Those are my big top five characters. And I, I think over the years, since 2011, DC really dropped the ball with The Flash, and it's kind of... And Green Arrow, too. Like, they're unrecognizable to me anymore. And Swamp Thing, since 2011, really kind of took that number two spot for me. All right. We're going to get into a little bit first the history of Swamp Thing, the character, before we get into the uh, not widely known Swamp Thing cartoon. Swamp Thing, created by the legends Len Wein and uh, Bernie Wrightson, first appeared House of Secrets 92 back in, I believe, 19. 1971, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, summer of 1971, that issue came out. It was a uh, uh, a failing anthology series, and they were just picked to do a short little eight-page story, and Ween and 
Bernie Wrightson did it and uh, kind of moved on, didn't think anything else about it. And DC kept bugging him about it and said, hey, that story you did, it sold really, really well. Uh, you know, come back, do more. Come back, they did, where Swamp Thing got his own series. Swamp Thing number one coming out approximately a year, a year, a year later. Swamp Thing number one, 1972. The yeah. great, great Len Wein and uh, Bernie Wrightson. Yeah, so last year was the 50th anniversary of Swamp Thing, if you count just the House of Secrets 92 appearance. This year, 2022, is the 50th anniversary of the Swamp Thing proper that everybody knows as Swamp Thing. The Alec Holland version is different from the Alex Olson version. It was a completely revamped because they did that one story. It was kind of like one of those, you know, Tales from the Crypt kind of short story, and there was really nowhere to go with it, so they had to redo the whole thing if they were going to make a series out of it which they did and it worked out spectacularly because people like me still love it 50 years later how long did that uh, original swamp thing series run uh that ran for 24 issues uh it, it was picked off in the dc implosion in the 70s when they canceled a ton of comics actually they had uh, the next issue was already penciled and ready to go it was a hawkman appearance and uh it didn't you know show up until later on in the canceled comic cavalcade I'm a huge fan of uh, 70s DC and Marvel. I think they did a lot of experiment. Both companies did a lot of experimentation back then, a lot of stuff. They released a lot of new comics, Swamp Thing included, which it's looking back, almost all of them got canceled either later in the 70s or in the early 80s. Almost all of those DC and Marvel stuff that got introduced in the 70s, almost all of it was canceled. Yeah, it, it, the implosion really crippled. It was one of the major setbacks for DC as a company. Because they, they expanded the line and they expanded too fast and the books weren't selling and they contracted and they had to cancel literally overnight, like a dozen titles were canceled. And, you know, a lot of people were put out of work at the time. But then some of those projects came back later, like Firestorm, you know, came back. He was canceled at the time after like five issues and was relaunched and Swamp Thing was, you know, was part of that. Yeah. If you look at DC, uh, the Demon, Swamp Thing, Firestorm, these are all characters that uh, kept getting like brought back rebooted until present day if you look at marvel power man iron fist um ghost rider uh shang chi yeah. all these characters have been rebooted and brought back over time and time again so there was great stuff that people have fondness for but apparently they just didn't have the the test of time longevity that their mainstay characters did yeah well i think you know these comic companies they look around at what ips they have you know there's a certain monetary value to these characters whether it was canceled at 12 issues or 50 issues or 100 issues and they still own it you know they own the material you know why not clean it up revamp it and try it again in five or six seven years uh now why do you think that swamp thing series uh did not succeed overall uh, it was aimless after wayne and and Wrightson left um with issues 10 and 13 when they left it was just they they kept repackaging the the book. It wasn't selling that well. They tried to turn it in more of a superhero type title and that killed it. It was, it was done. They had a handful of writers in those, whatever 12 or 13 issues after that. And, uh, it just killed it. They had Alec Holland becoming human again. And it was, ugh. it's not even in continuity. The last three issues, I don't think. So we can't talk swamp thing without uh, bringing up the old debate. Swamp thing, man thing. Two characters that literally appeared in the same year, both swamp monster creatures, both with the name thing in their name. And many people, the debate has gone on and on. If I mean, this, I, I don't know which came first, really, but 
I mean, it's, it's just, you can't, there's too big of a coincidence for this just to be organically happened at the same time. You, you don't, you don't know how bad I want to defend Swamp Thing and, and say Swamp Thing's the original character and Man Thing ripped it off. You don't know how badly I want to claim that, but I would be lying through my teeth if I, if I, if I said that. It was clearly inspired by Man-Thing. They knew what was going on with Marvel at the time with the writers, uh, Len Wayne. It was that Gary Conway, right? That Gary Conway, the co-creator of Man-Thing, him and Len Wayne were supposedly roommates, roommates yeah. at the time. <laughs> he, Len Wayne knew what, what Gary Conway was working on and convenient. But if you think about it, Gary Conway is coming up with this man thing idea and Len Wayne's like, yeah, I could do something like that. I've got this little eight page thing that I'm going to fill, you know, and then just a little eight page filler work. He had no idea it was going to actually take off and be a thing. It's kind of like when Millie Vanilli won the Grammy and they were, you know, scared to death, you know, that they were going to ex- get exposed. So, you know, what are you going to do? This issue sold DC saying, we want more, make us more. And they're like, and you could justify it by saying, well, Gary Conway didn't come up with your idea originally because you had the heap and you had Solomon Grundy. You had plenty of swamp creatures that had existed previously. Uh, the heap being the, the most obvious inspiration for that. That is true. Obviously swamp thing though, over time has really sort of won the war. He has been, Oh, that's not even a question. (laughs) Swamp thing uh, is so much more influential than man thing ever, ever would be he's had more series he's he's got more mainstream uh recognition than man thing just the uh, catalog of acclaimed comics i mean just if you go to uh lenween and bernie wrightson's run and then alan moore's run with uh stephen Bissett and john toddleben if you just look at those two runs alone it just totally eclipses anything that marvel ever did with man thing there's no no comparison just based on those two runs alone so a couple of years goes by and uh they're going to be producing a Swamp Thing live action movie. So uh, DC jumps in this opportunity. This is a, they're going to get, this is next to Superman, the movie. This is going to be probably the most mainstream recognition they're going to get. They're going to jump right on it and yeah. they're going to produce another Swamp yeah, Thing Swamp series. Swamp Thing had been hanging around. He had his first series, ran 24 issues, and then he was relegated to just backup appearances and team ups. So he, he was there. He was still, you know, would show up occasionally. But then, like you said, the idea for the movie came, and that's when DC decided to bring him back full time. Uh, Marty Pasco was the, the late great Marty Pasco was the writer of Saga of the Swamp Thing. Saga of the Swamp Thing, underrated. You know, a lot of people forget about Pasco because of Ween and and Alan Moore. People overlook uh, Marty Pasco's run, and I, I I think it's underrated. I think it was a, a solid little solid little run. Uh, had a little run. I enjoyed it. Um, artwork was great. And the uh, the story was uh, interesting. I I enjoyed it. Um, I don't think it gets enough credit because some of the other more known Swamp Thing stories that came after it. But um, the rumor has it that Marty Pasco left because I guess him and Steve Bissett and uh, John Toddleman had had some artistic differences, so they say. Yeah. So Marty Pasco had left the series. Uh, the series really wasn't doing that well, despite the movie. It, it wasn't doing well. It was on the verge of cancellation. They had a backup run in it anyway. Doc, uh, Phantom Stranger had yeah. a backup strip. They were trying different things to save it. He had that long arc, you know, where he's basically crossing the country with the little girl. It, it was time for him to go. So I, I it was going to be the end of an era. And, uh, it was going to get canceled anyway. Well, along came the legend himself, Alan Moore, who had some uh, radical ideas of the direction he wanted to take the character, uh, which was really outside of what the mainstream, what was going on in comics at the time. And 
the rumor is that no one in DC really cared because they thought it was just going to get canceled anyway. So they put on Alan Moore and just said, I'll let him do what he's going to do. The series isn't going to be along much longer anyway. To their surprise, wow! <laughs> the exact opposite effect. <laughs> well, yeah, that just took right off. And what a oh, what an amazing title. I mean, it revolutionized comics. I mean, we're talking about this 40 years later. This comic is still celebrated. Uh, I, it, it's a beloved comic. Alan Moore's run is a definitive Swamp Thing run. I, as much as I love Wayne and, and Wrightson's run, it's Moore's run that really, really makes the title stand out and stand the test of time. So amazing. I, I have quadruple dipped. I think I had... Every issue I bought off the shelves, then I bought them all in trades, then I bought them in hardcovers. Omnibus. I then I bought the absolute editions, then I bought the they haven't done omnibus yet for the more run, but when they do, <laughs> I'll buy it again. Swamp Thing 21, anatomy lesson. Anybody doesn't know, uh <laughs> if you know David all, you've heard many, many times about anatomy lesson. I I will take any opportunity to preach anatomy lesson as the greatest single issue of all time of any comic. It's my all time, even Green Lantern and Hal Jordan is my favorite character. Anatomy lesson is my all time single favorite comic book issue. And this is when they revealed, and this was kind of ahead of its time, things like this weren't done. Alec Holland actually was not the Swamp Thing. Alec Holland had actually died and the persona of the Swamp Thing had, had thought absorbed the the soul almost if you will of alec holland where he thought he was alec holland alec holland and that was not the case which it was actually back then doing the what you always thought you knew about the character is a lie hadn't been done to death back in and the it early was done so well the whole story is told from jason woodrow's point of view he's writing journals and he's been hired by the Sunderland corporation to do an autopsy on swamp thing's body and he comes to all these conclusions but Sunderland basically dismisses him and won't listen to anything he has to say. And Woodrow Wilson is basically smug, has a smug sense of satisfaction as he gets fired from his job because he knows what's going to happen. And it is this great foreboding sense of horror. It's a great horror comic, the way they tell the story and that the, the horror that the existential horror that becomes a staple of the comic after that is felt when Swamp Thing, re he reads Woodrow Wilson's notes and realizes that he's not what he thought he was this whole time. His whole point of being was basically, you know, try to find a formula to save himself, some way to become human again. It's the old, you know, like the Ben Grimm thing, you know, you, you know, you want to become human again. And that's the light at the end of the tunnel for him. There is no light at the end of the tunnel because he's not even Alec Holland. Alec Holland died in Swamp Thing number one back in 1972. You know, so what is he? You know, he's a monster. And this led to just so much uh, critical acclaim and uh, a lot of people. It really changed the industry, to be honest with you, because without this, uh, the Dark Knight Returns, Watchmen, things like that, I don't think ever would have happened. Never would have happened. Um, yeah, the the British, more, British invasion. The British of invasion of writers and artists would not have happened. Neil Gaiman, Grant Morrison. Yeah, you could argue the Sandman series never would have happened Sandman, if it wasn't for God, Swamp Thing. I can't imagine a world without Sandman. Uh, it really did change. And it, even the art style, uh, Bissett and Tottleben, everyone credits Bissett. And Bissett was uh, great with his layouts, but it was really Tottleben with his finishes that added all the detail to that comic. The layouts that they did were, uh, they were very experimental, uh, very celestial, organic uh, feel, big double page spreads, the panel layouts were were radically altered to give it an organic feel um an earthy feel 
you know, with, with the way they would frame out the panels, but it would still lead your eye the right way. Like they knew what they were doing. They weren't, they weren't just high on acid, you know, dabbling whatever they wanted <laughs> on the page. These guys actually knew storytelling far better than anybody you see now working at DC or Marvel. These guys actually knew how to draw your eye from page one to page two, from left to right, top to bottom, it, even though they were doing these bizarre drawings. So many things happened that run. They brought back Anton Arcane and Abigail from the original series. Yep. The introduction of the character John Constantine was uh, yep. in the Swamp he Thing. He dealt with all the old plot lines. He he closed everything off. He closed off the Sunderland Corporation. He closed off some of the the supporting characters that were that were Pasco's characters. He even brought them back. He would revisit things that Pasco had done, and that had happened in Volume One. Even some of those characters, like you were saying with Abigail and. Uh, Liz Tremaine and you know they um, uh, he really got a lot of mileage out of that plus he incorporated the DC universe into his comic he didn't pretend like Swamp Thing was an entity outside of it the Justice League show up when Woodrow Wilson has this big attack where Woodrow Wilson really wants to you know step up and be the big villain the Justice League show up but they're treated almost like in a mythical sense like the a lot of the panel depictions don't show them like their faces you might see them from the neck down you see their chest or you see their feet walking in they're almost like legendary like they're like the pantheon of gods which uh, also led to honestly Vertigo Comics for anyone who I don't know some of you younger readers I know but Vertigo Comics never would have happened if not for Alan Moore Steve said John Tottenham's saga of the Swamp Thing in my opinion anyway yeah, it definitely was. It, Swamp Thing was really like the first Vertigo comic before Vertigo. I mean, you had Preacher, Sandman, Swamp Thing, and then Vertigo sprung out of that. But they were basically Vertigo before Vertigo existed. And so, that, that whole imprint was so influential. Before they ran it into the ground, before the last editor there had ran Vertigo into the ground, so much good quality product came out of there. It's a, it's a shame that it's gone. And it also opened up the industry, I feel, to superheroes weren't the only game in the comic book industry. It, it, I mean, there had been plenty of stuff non-superhero before then, but I think it really opened up a new wave in the 80s and 90s of people doing other horror and... Yeah, the other um, genres, because Vertigo was doing westerns and horror and romance. I mean, and then you got all these other names that I was exposed to because of Vertigo, like Jamie Delano and Peter Milligan. Um, you know, Grant Morrison, you know, ended up with, you know, with his Doom Patrol run. I, there was a, a lot of influence that was felt later that you know, those writers inspired writers later on. So later on, uh, Brother Rick, Power the Geek. Remember they did a Brother Power the Geek special. Were you a big fan of that? <laughs> I thought the concept of him getting his own special I was a fan of. I don't know if I was necessarily a fan of the special itself. I, I don't know. That's not how I remember it. I think you were a big fan of that. Uh, artist Rick Veach came around. Uh, New England legend, actually. Uh, Rick, Rick Veach was an amazing writer. Like uh, That's another one that's under-celebrated because of Alan Moore's run. Rick Veach's run follows seamlessly. Like If you're reading Moore's run back-to-back, with Rick Veach's Rick, Rick Veach's run is fantastic and people forget that it didn't end so well because well, yeah. Doug Wheeler's run but yeah you know <laughs> Rick Veach did a very a great storyline where Swamp Thing was traveling backwards in time yeah. so he had he actually incorporated a bunch of classic DC uh historic characters in there Sergeant yeah, Rock Sergeant showed up Rock. I believe the Shining Knight showed up in yeah. uh but then it all came to a controversial end ooh, ooh, boy did it ever <laughs> if you hadn't heard about this Rick Veach was going to end that story with Swamp Thing meeting our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
which was previously approved. Yeah, the rumor is it was completely approved by DC's according editorial. To, according to Rick Veach. Yep, the, the, the comic book was done. It and was penciled and inked. And, and then at the zero hour, DC got cold feet. Cold feet. Uh, wasn't it around the time it. The Last Temptation of Christ came out? I think it was in the same time frame. Yeah, that was The Last Temptation of Christ came out. A lot of uh, Christian groups and parents were complaining, and DC was like, oh, we don't want any part of that. Let's put the brakes on this. And uh, Rick Veach was not having that. He nope, that made him quit. He walked away. He was walked away uh, mid story. Mid story. He was done. Um, so bad. The the conflict was so bad. To this day, that story has never seen print. Yeah, I always thought that they would release that at some. They, point. they own it. DC yeah. has the material. It's it's done and it's sitting there. Oh, so to backtrack, I don't mean to cut you off. No, go so. Ahead. Rick Veach, he he quits in protest, and and I understand why, you know, because they it wasn't like they had told him no when they were brainstorming, and he was like fine, and he had a different ending. He he did it, and it was it was ready to go. Um, so he leaves. Uh, they hired Doug Wheeler to you know be the next writer. So yeah. in in Doug Wheeler's defense, I mean, he was kind of like he wasn't the guy for the job. The first arc he did was pretty good because I think he had like kind of a blueprint of what Rick Veach left behind. Yeah. Doug Wheeler's initial story that wrapped up Rick Veach's run was pretty good. And then it went into the crapper right after it was just the, maybe the worst swamp thing run of all time until Nancy Collins came on, which was <laughs> Nancy Collins was, was really good. And I really enjoyed a run, but Doug Wheeler's, also has never been collected. So DC, <laughs> when they started getting into the trade business and started making money off trades years ago, they started with the Alan Moore stuff and they were going along and then they started, it, it just ran concurrently into the Rick Veach run. So fans got excited. They're like, oh, is he really, they're really going to finish this. Rumor was at the time was that they were going to end the trade series with Rick Veach's original ending, but then they got cold feet again <laughs> so the last trade never even came out on that so like there is a chunk of of swamp thing volume two because swamp thing volume two is really the main series at 171 issues that have never been collected and it's the end of rick veach's run into the end of doug wheeler's run has never been collected they've collected nancy collins on to the end now there was a similar situation in marvel where ghost rider um, had met this character called the Wanderer. Yeah. Um, I believe Tony Isabella might have been the writer at the time, and it was going to be revealed that the Wanderer was uh, Jesus Christ. And I believe that was approved at one point. I believe Jim Shooter pulled the plug on Dude, that. Of course, Jim Shooter <laughs> did, like the beloved editor. Uh, and 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 Tony Isabella is renowned for complaining about wrongs <laughs> that have been done to him over the years. But yeah, he's kind of right, you know. I always like Tony Isabella. I'll have to bring us. Uh, he has a great Hawkman run. Tony Isabella. Yes, he did. Yeah, I, mean, I, I love the Shadow, love the Shadow War, War Hawkman. Hawkman. I, when I got rid of a lot of my old Silver Age comics um, and, and Bronze Age, I, I couldn't part with the Isabella stuff. I'll have to have former guest uh, Francis on. He's a huge Ghost Rider fan. He could probably uh, collaborate. Can verify, can verify this. this. Yeah, that's out of my realm of expertise. And after that, Swamp Thing has been around pretty much. There's rarely been a time since then all the way up to now where he hasn't had a series in one form or another. He has a following, uh, DC. I'll definitely, follow him to the grave. DC I, sees potential. I'm going to be buried with these Swamp Thing. They've comments. never quite reached the pinnacle of what he used to be. No, but I don't think he'll ever go away. Now. Um, one thing I had to bring up that I read it during the 52 that Jeff Johns retconned it back to Alec Holland. He is did. the Swamp Thing. In brightest day. Oh, so there've been a number, there've been like seven Swamp Thing series. So you had the first one was, 
the Ween writes in, you know, Gary Con- Gary Conway came back to write Swamp Thing after creating Man Thing. Did, did you know that? <laughs> I did not he, know. He wrote that. four of the issues of that twenty four issues. Gary Conway did. So yeah, yeah, they were in cahoots. I, I forget about that. Dave Michelini was one that ran twenty four issues. Then you had the real Swamp Thing series ran one hundred and seventy one issues with all its annuals. Then Volume Three was the Tafay series that they did. Was a complete bomb where Swamp Thing's daughter Tafay was. Oh yeah, I remember yeah, that. Ran yeah. twenty issues and it was done. That was volume three. Volume four was that um one that ran twenty nine issues. Had like three writers on it and it was kind of they brought Alec Holland back. Yeah, it only lasted like twenty nine issues. So that was what volume four, and then volume five. In between that, that's when um Jeff Johns was involved because they did Brightest Day. Jeff Johns brings Swamp Thing back, but then brings Alec, you know, brings out because uh, Swamp Thing hadn't appeared in quite a while. Brings yeah. Alec Holland back to life. Then, in the middle of all this, they, you know, they did a, a search for Swamp Thing, you know, sort. Yeah. It was a Brightest Day spinoff miniseries that they did. It's not very good, and it immediately got retconned with um, Flashpoint. Everything got uh, <laughs> in 2011. The uh, basically Swamp Thing's history ended with 2011, so it kind of ended with Alec Holland being alive. But then they bring Alec Holland back again in the New Fifty Two because it's a new continuity, yeah, new, new continuity, and that was the uh, the Scott Snyder one. Uh, and then Sewell uh, finished the run. Actually, Sewell's run was pretty good. It, it that was the uh, pro- maybe the second or third best title that they did. And finally, they have a current series written by Ram V, which I have not read, but I've heard mixed things about. It's, I've so heard that, some really good and some really bad things. That's technically a mini series. After the, uh, what was it, volume five, was the uh, the new 52 series when Charles Sewell wrapped it up. Pretty good, pretty good run, actually. Then they did a, um, there was a mini series that was supposed to be a regular series. Len Wayne came back. And he did six issues, and he died. Len Wayne actually passed. Um, but they did this. They did a six issue. It was originally going to be an ongoing series, and then DC at some point decided to just make it a mini series. But originally, it was going to be a, a, an ongoing series. Len Wayne would do the first six issue arc and kick it off to another writer. And at some point, when everything happened with Len Wayne, they just decided to print it as is and call it a mini series. And then the next actual ongoing series was in DC started doing these giant issues with Walmart. Um, it was swamp thing giant and you could only get it exclusively in Walmart and it ran seven issues. And during that time, comic stores were complaining that like, why are you giving Walmart these exclusive comics? We want them too. So DC balked at the idea. They said, all right, we'll make it available. They canceled this series at issue seven and then relaunched Swamp Thing Giant with a new number one, which would make it, and it was an ongoing title, and it was available in Walmart and comic stores, and that ran five issues, and then that got canceled. So there have actually technically been seven Swamp Thing series. The final issue, number six, was available digital only, and then you had to get it in a hardcover collection to get the final issue. And then this Ram V miniseries was going to be 10 parts, and then they extended it to 16, and that's still going on now. All right. Well, if you're just strictly an animation fan, the comic book part of our episode is over. We are now going to focus. <laughs> oh, are we here talking about animation? <laughs> we're going to. Well, we never talked about Swamp Thing, so I expected us to have quite a conversation about it. But now we're going to exclusively talk Swamp Thing, the, car- the animated series. You're just trying to shut me up. 
No, I know, I, no, no, I know you. You try to shut never, me up. Never do that. To any of my guests, I would never shut. Did, all of my guests are treating. Your, your audience needs to know. Matt Spectra is trying to put the kibosh on me right now. So someone in Hollywood is convinced Swamp Thing has some mainstream markability because there's been two live action Swamp Thing movies, two Swamp Thing TV shows, and the subject of our episode today, Swamp Thing, the animated series. The ill-fated Swamp Thing animated series. Oh, my Lord. You're in for a treat. You, have you ever seen this? I have not. Oh, I knew yeah. it exists because I used to, back when I collected toys, I had a Swamp Thing figure from the toy line that Kenner put out in conjunction with this cartoon, but I've never actually seen the cartoon. Oh, my God. You're in for a treat. This is going to be so good. Oh. So back in uh, 1990 is when uh, they actually kicked it off. Most of it happened in 1991. It was... Produced by uh, DIC Animation, a Canadian production. It ran on Fox Kids. Only ran five episodes. I believe they produced more, but they only actually aired five episodes. All I know of are the five episodes. uh, They came out. And actually, I never even saw them when when they first aired because they didn't air anywhere around here. I knew about the toy line. Uh, There was a huge push. Um, Yep. Captain Planet was the big thing. Then, they, you know, there was the Toxic Avenger and there was the big push for, you know, ecological, you know, friendly kid shows. And DC looked around. They're like, oh, what, what, what do we have in our IPs that we can use? And like, ah, Swamp Thing. Let's make that a kid show. They put out these five episodes that I didn't see until much later when they actually came out on VHS. But I knew about the toy line because, you know, obviously it was hitting shells. So I was going into stores looking. I was so disgusted at the time that I... I, I just bought a few of them at the time. And then years later, I went crawling back as a, an adult collector, buying everything that I had missed. Now, um, the rumor, a longstanding rumor, which has been disputed, was that in the uh, the final wave of superpowers figures they were going to do that were never produced, there was a Swamp Thing figure. And the rumor was Kenner had the Swamp Thing mold, so lazily they were just going to do a Swamp Thing run and try and sell those toys. Now, that's been disputed by a lot of people. Uh, but the rumor never went away. It never went away. And I, I honestly don't know, cause I've heard both sides of it. If you look at that first swamp thing figure, and I know exactly which one they're talking about, they made 13 figures in the line and seven swamp thing figures. But the first figure looks like a superpowers figure and it's got an action and it's, it fits in with the, the Kenner superpowers line. So I honestly don't know. I believe it probably was being worked on or at least they had designs for it. When the line got canceled and then, you know, because it wasn't more than a couple of years later that they did this. But what is not in dispute was Kenner was going to produce a series of Swamp Thing toys and they wanted, and I'm sure their investors wanted some kind of tie-in, market tie-in, you know, mainstream market tie-in. So they produced the Swamp Thing cartoon. Oh, yeah. So they produce five episodes and it's basically a commercial for that toy line. Yeah. And, and the way a lot of those things were at the time, like GI Joe transformers. Yeah. If you were not around in the late eighties, nineties cartoons almost existed then just to sell product. Like the, the everything tra- was a toy line that got its own cartoon. The transformers movie. They spent half the movie killing off the old transformers so they could show you new transformers to make your mom and dad buy for you. When you left the theater, this was kind of the same thing. Like, 
all the toys showed up in this cartoon. A lot of product was produced because I believe there was a board game that also. Uh... A bo- I own that board game. Oddly enough, the uh, not really oddly enough, but there was a uh, uh, twelve figures. One of them was a variant, so there's thirteen figures, uh, and then there were five vehicles and playsets. There were uh, two playsets and three vehicles because Swamp Thing needs vehicles to drive. Now it was and a VHS tape was released, but. Not very successful. The toy line outlasted the cartoon. The cartoon only aired five episodes. I don't even, I have the VHS and I don't even think all the episodes were on the VHS. I think it might just be one or two episodes. I've got it on my shelf in my comic room, but I, it wasn't until it came out on DVD years later that I think I actually got to see the show and it's a, and uh, supposedly this is the last DC cartoon ever that was not produced by Warner Brothers Animation. Oh, I did not know that. So we're going to go back to October 31st, 1990, Swamp Thing, the animated series, The Unmen Unleashed. This was written by a Mark McCorkle and a Bob Schooley, directed by a Dan Thompson. Uh, we're going to go over a little bit of the credit, the voice acting, as well as the character Swamp Thing. Obviously, we covered who already created them. A uh, The late Len Carlson uh, does his voice. His claim to fame is uh, he was uh, Senator Robert Kelly on X-Men the Animated Series, Green Goblin on the original uh, um, 1967 uh, cartoon as well. He was just a prominent voice actor, unfortunately no longer with us. He does the voice of one Swamp Thing. Anton Arcane was also created by uh, Len Wein and Bernie Wrightson. Uh, Dan Franks, who is also no longer with us. Uh, he was actually the voice of Boba Fett on the uh, holiday, the Star Wars holiday oh, special. Really? Oh, where he, where he rode the Mythosaurus? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the much celebrated Boba Fett cartoon. And uh, Abigail Arcane, uh, she's created by the same people. A Tabitha St. Germain did her voice. Uh, I looked her up. Most of the things she did was voices for uh, various Barbie cartoons and uh, My Little Pony. We have uh, Tomahawk, who was a creation specifically for the cartoon, voiced by uh, the late Har- the late Harvey Aitken. He's also no longer with us. He was the voice of King Koopa on the Super Mario cartoon. Ooh. He also voiced Sasquatch when he appeared on the X-Men uh, animated series. Oh, really? Huh. And finally, we have uh, Bayou Jack, who Jack. Philip Aitken did his voice. He is still with us. He voiced Bishop on X-Men the animated series. So it seemed like... Uh, Especially in the 90s, if you were working on one cartoon, you were working, working a lot. Another, yeah. Yeah, they had a Rolodex, and they weren't going to keep adding to it, I guess. So, uh, I'm very curious. We're going to see if Swamp Thing translates to children's television. Myself and Dave are going to watch Swamp Thing, The Unmen Unleashed. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Get ready for thrilling action when evil Unmen battle Swamp Thing. Who can stop them from destroying the Earth? Swamp Thing! Watch them turn into evil unmen to battle Snare Arm Swamp Thing. You're no match for my mighty Snare Arm. But I am. Is he doomed? <laughs> no, now I'm a different Swamp Thing. I'm Bioglow. The Earth is safe. Bioglow and Snare Arm each sold separately. Swamp Thing, guardian of the Earth. Littering always hurts, Daryl. Swamp Thing! 
you kids know, the plastic lasts hundreds of years when thrown into the environment. That stuff lasts that long? Sure does, Omar. We all have to protect the green and recycle our litter. You need us to help protect the land and water? Sure do. You really that busy? As a matter of fact, kids, I'm swamped. <laughs> Swamp Thing, Guardian of the Earth. It all began as Dr. Alan Holland was working in his lab when evil Dr. Arcane attacked him. The lab exploded. Holland escaped only to be transformed into Swamp Thing. Brace yourself for battle as Swamp Thing unleashes his might to combat evil Arcane and his monstrous unmen. Who has the power, the strength to save the world? Swamp Thing, Guardian of the Earth. Don't miss the exciting adventures of Swamp Thing now on video cassette in toy stores everywhere. Meanwhile, at the Podcast of Justice. back and we just watched swamping the animated series the unmen unleash and oh my god right off the bat that theme song that was a hoot and a holler what that terrible lazy <laughs> if you don't know which i can't imagine you don't they, they, the song was originally wild thing which which they turned to swamp thing you are amazing like you just heard those terrible lyrics it's so bad. Well, that song must have gone to the public domain or something, or they sold the rights because that song has been used over and over and over. Yeah, and it is awful. It's so bad. And they do an origin recap in the uh, in the credits as well. I gotta say, um, cartoon wise, uh, animation and sound, like the soundtrack, just very. It's not. I wouldn't go as far as say bad, but very uninspired. 90s. Yeah, very nineties uninspired. Some of it, it sounds like stock footage. It, it kind of fits in with a lot of the, like, you know, because it's Deke, you know, you, it looks like a G.I. Joe cartoon, maybe like a little, eh, a little rushed. You know, they got it into production, but it's kind of what you'd expect from that era, if if not inspired. It opens up in the swamp where uh, two of the unmen setting a trap, uh, try and get Swamp Thing in the net. Dr. Demo is one of them. Yeah, they don't jump into an origin or anything. It's right off the bat. You know, like Swamp Thing's in the swamp doing his swamp thing and bad guys are coming to get him. They try and catch him, but he turns into roots and escapes, uses his fingers to stretch him. They turn into vines. Uh, he catches them and uh, they're pretty much uh, out of there really quick. They're going to get back onto the hovercraft and run with their tails tail between their legs. legs back to Anton Arcane. Anton Arcane, for some reason, living in the United States and Louisiana. Uh yeah, a little bizarre because if you don't know the history of Arcane, he's European. He's not. Yeah. He's not even from America. A creepy old man in a castle in in an undisclosed European country. There, <laughs> bit where they they pull the steering wheel right off their hovercraft. Um, alligators go after him. Uh, it's Skin Man looks at the steering column with the <laughs> when he realizes one thing ripped off the steering wheel. So bad. <laughs> oh my lord! But then we switch to uh, Tomahawk. Now. <laughs> I think you mean Billy from Predator. I, yes, if you ever seen Predator, he's basically Billy Bear from uh, 
from Predator. Now, like, I like the idea of they're adding representation, but they couldn't have made a more generic Amer- Native American character if they tried. Tomahawk, who fires these giant arrows from, like, a crossbow. I mean, even, like, Thunderbird from the X-Men, I don't think is the most original name, but at least some thought was put in that name. Tomahawk is just like, come on. Tomahawk and Bayou Jack. Bayou Jack doesn't have, like, a, a, a Cajun accent, though. No, he does not. No Cajun Cajun accent whatsoever. You're in Louisiana, you're named Bayou Jack, and you don't have a Cajun accent. I don't care what color you are, you should have an accent. They run into the two kid sidekicks of the show, you know, the the, the teens that are supposed to be the voice of the audience. TJ and Delbert, much celebrated amongst (laughs) Swamp Thing fans. Yeah. They're trying to catch frogs in the swamp, but Tom Ock tells these kids, uh, stay clear of... uh, arcane's plantation i'm not even sure nowadays you could have the villain on Can a plantation you even have the word plantation arcane lives in a plantation right down the road from swamp thing now let's talk about arcane his design he, he really looks like he came right out of a, a hammer film basically yeah, yeah he <laughs> looks like dracula it's uh, he's got this you know great blue suit with, you know with a double-breasted thing with the the whole nine yards he looks like dracula he's even got a little he's got he's suave and he's got slick black hair with a you know with a white streak in his bangs and he just looks like a vampire he says how he hates that muck encrusted mockery, mockery of a, of a man, man. <laughs> that's a great tagline they had to get that in the in the cartoon somewhere the muck encrusted he's gonna of take a man. the transducer and he's gonna turn them into the unmen which they're already like mutated monsters yeah okay so he's got three henchmen all available on, you know, store shelves brought to you by the good folks at Kenner. Uh, so he's got Weed Killer, Dr. Demo, and Skin Man, who are all monsters. They literally, like, are mutated creatures. But he makes them all get into his transducer, also available on store shelves from the good folks at Kenner. <laughs> the transducer is basically a Dr. Frankenstein operating table where you you put the figure in and then you spin it around and you get an, a monster on the other side when you spin the tube. He mutates all three of them into worse monsters. The one of them is like man bat, basically. The other one's like kind of a giant lizard. The other one is like this weird spider type man hybrid character. So all four of them, if you count Anton Arcane, you could do the unmen version of them. (laughs) So you could buy the transducer, you put the figure in and you could spin it around. And then they had like this, um, this appendage that you put on top of their shoulders to make them into the unmen monster that they weren't previously. I mean, like all four of them, you could do that. (laughs) We're like not even 10 minutes in. And I swear like every second is just an advertisement advertisement for these toys for a toy uh the bog they had like the uh bog rover and the the marsh buggy basically they got three different vehicles then you got the transducer then there's a playset which looks like the dagobah playset from star wars kenner (laughs) and they kind of show that in this i kind of actually wish they put out the version they have from the cartoon because it looks even cooler they run into the man bat who TJ and Dilbert do. He's going to eat them. So now he's like, uh, he eats humans, apparently. Uh, Swamp Thing comes, saves the day. He kind of has to reform. Wasn't it just me? For a second, he looked like the Man Thing. There's like a second where the animation makes him look just like Man Thing. And they probably had some uh, Man Thing comics around and got confused. They they uh, run away. Uh, they crash their dune buggy, of course. These guys are incompetent as unmen or un- yeah, not un- idiots. Yeah. But uh, they're like the Three Stooges. They do get uh, caught by uh, the snakehead, Dilbert and TJ, that is. Mm. 
They uh, capture both boys. They've seen too much. Like the, the two boys that are in Return of the Swamp thing. <laughs> yeah, it is similar. And, similar. Uh, they're almost like the Wendy and Marvin of the show, or they're intended to be. Yeah, it's like the old cartoon cliche from like the late 60s to the 2000s, where you always had to have kids in there for no reason. The kids, they just needed a dune buggy and a talking dog. <laughs> Is, is all they were missing. Uh, they've seen too much, so they're going to lock him in the attic forever. Forever. <laughs> uh, then we get our first glimpse of uh, Abigail Arcane, who Arcane is no longer her uncle. Now he's her stepfather. Yeah, in the comics, Abigail, and they forgot this in time over the comics too, but Abigail was a young girl. She was a teenager. She wasn't a love interest of Swamp Thing until Alan Moore's run, really. But her father is Patchwork Man, who is Anton Arcane's brother. And there's like a whole story there when they have the European castle storyline. And then she ends up coming back with Matt Cable and Alec Holland and comes back to the United States. So she should have like a thick European accent of, you know, an undisclosed country. Uh, (laughs) Fill in the blank. And here she's young, which is fine. And she's his stepdaughter. I don't know where the mom is, but (laughs) apparently she GTFO'd. She comes in through a trap door to the attic where at first they think it's a it's another unman, but they, they, they're relieved to find it's a girl. It's a girl. <laughs> I believe they call it the mutation plantation at one point. This is like so 90, 80s or 90s. Like as soon as they see it's a girl, they're disarmed. Like the two boys are like scared to death. They're beating on the door trying to escape because they hear someone coming in the trap door. They think they're about to get eaten and then they turn around and it's a girl. Well, how did they know that girl wasn't going to kill them? So she explains the whole bit about how she knows we get the origin of the Swamp Thing, uh, where it's actually pretty fairly faithful to the original 1972 series. Yeah, close enough. I mean, other than Anton Arcane is part of the origin. I mean, that, you, they, they always you made that. me first. <laughs> you made me first. I I made you. You made me. It, it's a, the old uh, shtick with adaptions is that you have to combine origins and combine the characters together so that they're integrated and to streamline for time and i yeah i get it every swamp thing movie is done they've never they've never actually done a faithful adaption in uh tv movies or comics of the swamp thing comic and they never can like the actual comic if you actually adapted it would be awful like it, it just wouldn't work with swamp thing has to go on his you know, his trip to Europe and then he encounters all these monsters and the characters follow him back and the way he builds his supporting cast is over time and it wouldn't work that way. So that's why you have like Alice Cable and Abigail, you know, Arcane and the characters get merged with Matt Cable and, and whatnot. And here's kind of the same thing. They do an origin. They actually act like um Swamp Thing already knows all these characters. When you see this first episode, it's like Anton Arcane is an old enemy Abigail Arcane is an old friend. She has a journal, you know, showing his origin, you know, so we get a quick recap. Not romantically involved at this point on the card. No, 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 no. No, she's uh, far too young for that. Arcane's going to do the old, you know, Star Wars bit where they're going to let the boys escape to try and uh, trap the Swamp Thing, which they're going to follow him where... You guessed it. They can jump into another vehicle that we can (laughs) plug at Toy Story. Buy on toy shells from the good folks at Kenner. So uh, we switch to Swamp Thing, who's with uh, Bayou Jack, who's testing the Bog Blaster, (laughs) which I believe that accessory comes with the (laughs) Bayou Jack action figure. Yes. Yeah, a little squirt backpack. You squirt water. They show up where they're chasing Abigail in the marsh buggy, where... uh, Swamp Thing says, why don't you pick on a life form your own size? Doesn't like bullies. Never has. He certainly does not. 
Arcane confronts the Swamp Thing. He's he's got a torpedo. He's basically got the plot of Amazing Spider-Man the movie where he's got a torpedo that he's going to shoot that's going to unleash his serum and turn everyone into unmen. Why do people do this? Like, what is the appeal of turning the population into monsters or lizards? Or are they automatically just going to obey you because of that? Like. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, if they're well, the unmen all work for Anton Arcane. It's, it's a very they're popular theme in sci-fi and comic books. Of I've got this thing that turns people into this. I'm just going to unleash it into the atmosphere, and the world will be mine. Because if I'm going to be a monster, the rest of you are too. Swamp Thing agrees to surrender if the boys go free, which is a little odd to me because the boys do go free, and then Swamp Thing just goes along. And Swamp Thing just go, He actually lets him go. He's like, a man he, of his word. He's holding. He has his monster. He has his unman holding the boys, and he's going to squirt him with this serum. Swamp Thing's like, "All right, you can take me." And Anton's like, "Okay, cool deal." And Swamp he says, "That seems perfectly agreeable." And they let the boys go, and then. Swamp Thing just gets into the little boat and hey, he's a he's a man of his own. He's like Jon Snow, you know. He's a he's, he's a, a man, man of his, of his word. I've never known Anton Arcane to be a man of his word. And uh, he says, "Say goodbye to the Swamp Thing." He's donating himself to science. Ah! <laughs> that was great. As anyone knows, big fan of the of the heel laugh. <laughs> and then just drive way off into the swamp to go back to the plantation. Swamp Thing goes willingly. They're back at the arcade, um, at the arcade, they're back at Arcane's Fortress where he's going to become immortal by capturing the power of the swamp at, thing. At least the only thing that's consistent about this with the comic is Anton Arcane's motivation. He wanted Swamp Thing to give himself immortality. Yes. He wanted, somehow he was going to figure out how to use Swamp Thing's superior body and powers to make himself immortal because he was a, a decrepit aging old man who looked like the vulture. Here, not so much. And the whole gang shows up to save the day. The boys sneak into the basement and they let loose all those captured frogs. They have Swamp Thing in the transducer. He's actually strapped in. Like, how did they, like, they cut that out. Like, that whole conversation where they get him off the boat and then they they walk him in. I mean, did they give him something to eat first? Did they talk? Was there, like, an elevator ride down to the basement? They should have done, like, an elevator scene where it's, like, really awkward with the elevator music playing. (laughs) Swamp Thing climbs into the transducer. They strap him in. We get a ridiculous scene of the unmen chasing frogs around the plantation, trying to get them fighting. Like, they really just it. stupid. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Tomahawk destroys Arcane's formula, freeing the Swamp Thing, but it splashes in Anton Arcane's face. Yes, and then you finally get the transformation uh, that Arcane has into the action figure that you see on toy shelves from the good folks at Kenner. Where he's actually, like, his head just looks like a dried up testicle. It's like a um, prune head. Swamp Thing, even though they freed him, though, he's uh, he's dried out and weak. So they have to dump him into the swamp water to revive him. Which works wonders. Comes out and he's all refreshed. All refreshed. He even makes, like, a vine lasso out of one of his arms. <laughs> it's, it's like he kind of has the powers that Alan Moore gave him in the in the Swamp Thing revamp. But they don't go too far with it because if you actually think about it logically, there's no reason why <laughs> anybody would be a threat to him whatsoever. In fact, at one point, uh, I think it's Dilbert who says, Swamp him, Swampy. <laughs> How late were the writer's room in their room coming up with that zinger? Oh, man. They were on the Ray game. And then uh, we see the, the Bayou Bomber, which I believe is another vehicle that they can sell. 
Bla- uh, Bayou Blaster. Blaster. I'm Blaster. sorry, Blaster. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking about that for a second. Yeah, I think it was the Bayou Blaster is one of the three vehicles. Uh, Tomahawk shoots a torpedo. <laughs> There's one scene where they shoot back at them. And instead of getting out of the way, Swamp Thing grows his hands into two giant trees. This is while the, the <laughs> fluid is flying through the air. Yes. Uh, they have to squirt Swamp Thing with the the water or whatever it is. He grows the tree <laughs> above him to catch all the fluid so it won't cascade upon them. Yeah, so if, Jack, if Bayou Jack and Tomahawk won't turn into unmen as unmen. well. I would Instead just, of just stepping out just of the way. <laughs> it's like three drops of fluid that land on the top. He just tosses the unmen aside like they're nothing. The, he's the unmen, like, oh, you can't you, mutate a mutant. Yeah, I guess he's calling himself a mutant. Yeah, he, he, he would stay from uh, Basically tossing them aside. They're your typical useless villain henchmen from a cartoon. Pretty much the three stooges in a unmen form. <laughs> Arcane says he will not be robbed of getting Alec Holland's formula. He'll be back next week, folks. Yep. And uh, then we get a uh, journal entry we end so basically it's the old this is the setup for the whole cartoon is arcane is not going to give up until he gets that formula yes and mad because the swamp thing's ragtag group of misfits he now looks like as you said a shriveled testicle (laughs) (laughs) yeah he's all deformed now so and then we get a final very hulk 70s tv show final journal entry from the swamp thing that he's never going to stop looking for a cure because he doesn't want to be trapped as a monster. Yeah, he wants to go back forever. to being human again, which is harkens back to the Bernie Wrights and Len Wayne days. And there you have it. Swamp Thing, the animated series, The Unmen Unleashed. Oh, that was something else. That was uh, something I'm else. I'm so to happy that you had to sit through that, man. I'm so happy. I've been bugging you for years to watch this. Wow, this is... I'll say this. Swamp Thing himself, I thought, looked great on the cartoon. Yeah. And I liked... Some of the way and innovative ways they had him do things with his powers. Uh, I like that they took some lore of Arcane and Abigail actually being in the cartoon. Right. But Jesus Christ, this is just, we Awful. took a property <laughs> and how can we sell toys off it is That's basically what this all, is. All it is. It's nothing like the comic or very little like the comic. And it's, how can we exploit this IP to make some money? And the concept itself of that, I don't have a problem with like masters universe did it really well. GI Joe transformers were all really good yeah. cartoons that were there to sell toys. But something happened where because of the success of those, Cartoons just got lazier and lazier and just we want to crank this out as fast as we can so we can hopefully yeah, sell some this toys. Was, this reeked of being just lazily put out. You're, you're exactly right. They they had an idea with it. The idea on paper was all right. It's like, oh, what's, what's popular? Oh, saving the earth is popular. Oh, we can make money on saving the earth because it's an industry. Yeah, well, what do we have? Oh, well, DC, they've got the Swamp Thing. You know, Swamp Thing can be the guardian of the earth. Great, let's make some toys and we'll make some money off it. And, you know, they could have, developed it further and it could have been like masters of the universe or at the end of every episode you've got a you know a message for the kids and you know you could have done something like that it could have been a saturday morning show and um but it was not no it was not and i gotta really question the logic of this cartoon is if a kid actually likes this it's not like he can go out and buy the swamp thing comic because it's, it's nothing like that. It. it's, it's for adults it's for adults and it's nothing like that so I yeah. don't understand the, 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 the logic. This is just not smart to me. Like, yeah, the Swamp Thing comic was clearly made for adults at this point. Uh, there was a lot of sexuality, drugs, um, violence. It's a horror comic. There was no way that you'd want anyone, you know, under 13 reading Swamp Thing at that point. And this show was aimed at small children. 
So uh, <laughs> it was like two different things. Would you say even the the toy line itself was a good toy line? Yeah, yeah, kind of. Well, I mean, it, they, they it like matched a, the comic. A I lot mean, of variants um, of the Swamp, Swamp Thing character. Yeah, you had six Swamp Thing. It was really seven Swamp Things because one was a variant. But you had yeah seven Swamp Thing figures. You had Bayou Jack and Tomahawk, and then you had uh, the four villains. You know, it was Arcane and the three henchmen. Uh, they didn't do the two children, and they didn't do Abby. Uh, they yeah, they had no figures. figures. But you had the fought, you know, you had the two play sets, the three vehicles. Then they did Rose Art, did a whole bunch of crafts and art things. So you could get like coloring books and painting things and, you know, like all these little craft designs. They had Noteworthy was uh, stationary. You could get back to school supplies. They had uh, Swamp Thing chalk. They had uh, chalk figures. They had pencil toppers, erasers. I mean, I've got a bunch of this stuff in my comic room, but they had, um, what else? Oh, they had the board game. God, just went on and on. There was there was quite a bit of stuff in a short amount of time, and then and then it was over, <laughs> just not, like that. Not exactly the definition of uh, of art. <laughs> well, the, the, no, but the, well, the when you have a toy line like that, you need the cartoon to support it, and they didn't. The cartoon they did the five episodes, and then they gave up on it fast. So the toy line withered and died because there was nothing to support it. Like GI Joe, you had a new season every, you know, of the the show constantly, and new characters on the show, or Transformers, or He Man. Uh, plus, at the time, it was a pretty competitive market. Like cartoons, like weren't just. Lot. They were no longer restricted. Ninja to Turtles s- was out at this point. Yeah, right? and yeah. they were no longer restricted to Saturday mornings anymore. So, like, right. you get cartoons like all almost Every, all the time. You yeah, know, you get so, home from after school, and there's like cartoons running until dinner time. Yeah, and this is like the second or third year of Turtles being a massive success. So, yeah, yeah. there was a lot of competition for this to have succeeded. On that note, we're going over to our spectrometer. to the show the spectrometer is where we rank what we just saw four spectros being absolute perfection zero spectros being bottom of the barrel doesn't get any worse dave how are you gonna rank swamp thing the unmen unleashed oh Oh, my lord um as a swamp thing fan i want to love and support everything swamp thing comes out but as a swamp thing fan i i I really can't get behind this it i've got to give it a one and a half out of four spectros it's uh, and the only thing saving it is the animation is all right. You know, for the time, it's kind of on par with what was going on there. They had, you know, clearly an, a format for the show that they could have kept going with. And it probably would have worked with small children, but it's it, it's very lazily done and, and kind of, you know, just phoned in. Uh, I got to go with a, a one and a half on this. Uh, I was originally going to go zero because I... <laughs> I think it's crap, but I'm going to give it a one. Two reasons. I think Swamp Thing. Okay. The reason I'm going to, I'm going to get the two positives. I'm going to give it a one for. I like Swamp Thing, the design. I think it's, he looks good. And some of the things they did with him and I got to give it a half a spectrum for the song. It's God awful, but, oh, but uh, I, uh, yeah. Oh my God. You kind of love so it because it's so terrible. <laughs> it, it's like so bad. It's almost like a train wreck that you can't turn away from. <laughs> Swamp like, thing. I, I, I can find a few chuckles in it. It's not like, like when you were reviewing that, uh, thing meets, you know, Fred, Fred Flintstone, <laughs> Fred and Barney, you know, where it's just like, there was no redeeming value in that cartoon whatsoever. Just awful. This is like, I could get a couple of chuckles out of. But it's it's just nothing like Swamp Thing. It's and I and it and it also I was what sixteen when this came out, so 
I was really mad when this cartoon came out and the whole toy line came out. I was like, oh, this isn't my Swamp Thing. This is this is making fun of my Swamp Thing. So I was very much against it. And then it took, you know, I, I bought like a couple of the figures just for the heck of it at the time and then was dead set against it. And then years later, when I was just had more disposable income and I softened on the whole thing, I just the novelty of having all these Swamp Thing items tickled me and I went back and bought them all. And I, I can look at it and laugh, but it is it is dog crap yeah that's why i'm giving it a one because the writing score and animation are all bare bones the concept is not particularly good it's just so painfully obvious every second this is just a goddamn advertisement to try and sell toys i, I was con- i was contemplating giving a half a half a spectro and then i was like eh, i can give it a one and a half based on a few of the things that i found entertaining about it and the toy line that spawned from it but oh just dreadful just dreadful tell us what you think did you, you like it more than uh, dave and myself you couldn't possibly like it any less than we did but uh, let me know go to my social media and tell us your your two cents on swamp thing the animated series you can find me at matt spectra on twitter and while you're there follow me i appreciate it and you can find me at facebook matt spectra through the multiverse and uh, give your opinion on swamp thing the unmen unleash every year we ask every year every episode we ask 2022 a child comes across I don't know where they would ever come across this, but uh, <laughs> YouTube, that's about the only way they're going to they come across Swamp Thing the animated series. They're going to like it. I'm going to just uh, before you even say I'm going to say no, because I, it's pretty I, bad. Yeah, I know. But I'm, I really want to work you and and come up with the whole thing about how great it is and how kids are going to love it. But I, I'm not going to lie. No kid. No kids are not going to like this. I mean, they would have like up to the age of five. They might find it visually stimulating for about 30 seconds and then they're going to turn around and play with something else. No no kid's going to want to watch this. Well, there you have it, folks. Swamp Thing, the animated series, The Unmen Unleashed. I appreciate you joining us once again. Dave, I appreciate you coming back once again uh, it's a, it's to the always multiverse. It's always a pleasure. And I always say the pleasure is all yours. And, and I do mean that. It's a pleasure for you. It's a pleasure for your audience. Um, you know, legions of fans are coming around because of my appearances. But it's... But I'm also humble, and I've got to say, you know, it's a pleasure for me, too. I enjoy doing these. I don't want to be around all the time, but I'm like the secret weapon that you can whip out. You know, uh, every once in a while, when you when you need to get the fans all worked up, you, you bring in Dave Walker, and, and the crowds are going to rejoice. So, I, And I'm happy to do it. We can't miss you if you never go anywhere. So. Well, that's true. That's why I need to make my little sabbaticals, so that it makes my returns that much more triumphant. And triumphant they are, pal. And I appreciate you joining us. I appreciate you listening out there. If you could uh, smash the subscribe button to my podcast, I appreciate it. Give me a five star review. I like it as well. Share sixty two like. episodes, right? Sixty two. Sixty two. So yeah, sixty. If you're just discovering this because of me, because I'm the draw here, check out his other episodes. Bad Spectro's got sixty two episodes, and they're all dipped in gold. And uh, if you can like share my podcast, I appreciate it. Help growing. Uh, shout out to anyone who's listening. Thank you very much. And join us again next week for another exciting episode of Matt Spectro Through the Multiverse. Excelsior!